on SAFM. Something which tends to cause consternation in certain spaces in this country is any conversation to do with black economic empowerment. The formal term, of course, is broad-based black economic empowerment. Let's then have that conversation, however uncomfortable it may be, because it is a necessary one. It's where the country is at. Emerging micro-enterprises and broad-based black economic empowerment. The CEO, and I understand the real and correct term, uh, Dion Oberholzer, is Gestalt growth strategies. Did I get that right? Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Songezo, and thank you. Yes, that's fine. But pronunciations are not that important. We're in South Africa. We have freedom of pronunciation. <laughs> Sometimes I disagree when it's my name, but I appreciate the indulgence <laughs> that you're giving me. Let's just have, first of all, an understanding, because I'm not so sure many people understand broad-based black economic empowerment, the different levels, and what it means for enterprise in relation to using or getting public monies for the purposes of their compliance or lack thereof in relation to broad-based black Mm -hmm. economic empowerment. Do you just want to give us, please, an overarching definition so that we can at least move from that definition when we have the balance of the conversation? Yeah, I think um, that's a good starting point. I think we talk about three different aspects here. We talk about the size of the company. We talk about the ownership of the company. We talk about the level of compliance with the Black Economic Empowerment Codes of a company. So a very large company that happens to be more than 50% black-owned that are doing extremely well would be a black-owned level one, level two company. Then you have the size areas where you have your large companies, which typically is more than 50 million annual turnover. And then you have what we call qualifying small enterprises, somewhere between 10 and 50 million turnover. And then we have the little ones, the exempt micro enterprise. Now, a 10 million turnover company is not that small, but that's the definition. So the way the codes have evolved was to have different sets of rules for each of those entities um, with the intention that your larger companies has more capacity to do transformation and do what is necessary. Mm-hmm. Your smaller companies has less so. So they are essentially where the E and E and the exemption come from. They are essentially exempt from transformation. So as soon as uh, 50 million, they have to follow the codes. They have to follow the seven elements. They have to get points for what they do. And that gives them their recognition. So what happens at, the, at what we always call the entry level of the scale is the concept that the smaller companies are exempted. Um, so we, we end up in a situation that your smaller companies, they are exempted from compliance with the codes. They don't have to pay any money. If they're 100% black-owned, they would automatically qualify as a level one. They simply need to get an affidavit signed at the police station or from a commissioner of oaths. It shouldn't cost them any money, and that's enough for them to trade. If they are not black-owned and they don't have at least 51%, one would call them a non-black-owned company or a white-owned or foreign-owned company, and they would have the same level of exe- the same exemption, but they would only qualify at level four. So there's a bit of a scale difference there. And then if they're more mm-hmm. than 51%, they would automatically qualify for exemption at level two. So that is what the code set out at standard. So what has happened with procurement, and I think this is where the conversation yeah. comes from, is many many of the big companies and, and state-owned enterprises have set a definition to say at least you have to get to a minimum level of compliance more than nothing. So they set a minimum requirement as a level three or a level two for companies to participate in procurement. And that puts the level one enterprises, the exempt micro enterprises, in a very good competitive position because they automatically are there. But the traditional foreign or non-black owned companies, they 
stuck at a level four. So can they now, and this is the, the, the discussion, can they do absolutely nothing to elevate themselves to play with? And what does that mean? And do we want to allow white exempt microenterprises to be able to make a smaller or some contribution at least to transformation? And that's what this conversation somewhat goes about. We know what the big companies have to do. We know what the medium-sized companies have to do. But what about the smaller companies? Can't they at least do something and then get some benefit from it? Well, earlier this month, the president said that the BEE regulations must be enhanced to build a more inclusive economy in the wake of the pandemic. Whilst, of course, we're predicating this conversation on those emerging micro enterprises, I suppose you've asked a question that I'm going to invite you to please answer. What can those small businesses with a turnover of less than 10 million do for the purposes of transforming the economy, therefore transforming society at a social level? How can they use what they have, what little they have, to play a hand in creating an inclusive economy. And, and, and that's, that's exactly the point I'm putting on the table. I'm saying that if you, if you are a small company, but you see that making a contribution, because yet the business would, would look at this and say, is there a return on my investment in terms of transformation, or am I doing it because I have to? So let us talk about businesses that says, you know what, there is a benefit for me potentially if I do this because I could get a return from the codes. I could get a better level. That would make me more competitive. And we said, if, you, if you're if you a really small company, how much is it going to cost you? Now, normally the argument is once I have to comply, everybody complains about black economic empowerment. I have to give away mm. my business. It's going to cost me all my profit. It's just too much money. I could never afford it. But the point is, what could your return be if you do it? So we did a little exercise and we said, if you take a really small company or a company that's around 10 million, how cheap can they get to a level one? And the answer is between 100,000 rand for a small company and maybe 150, a little bit more for a medium-sized exempt micro-enterprise, in other words, just under. They can get to this mm-hmm. magical level one and they can do something on every level because what they have to do is also gauged by the size of the company. So if you make a 100,000 rand profit, 1% is only a 1,000 rand. If you make a 100 million rand profit, it's a lot more money. So all the targets in the codes have been scaled down based on the size of your organization. Most companies say, I don't want to do anything because it would cost me too much money. And I'm saying, no, look at it. Maybe it's not going to cost you too much money. And then apart from getting a better scorecard, you are doing all the right stuff. It might be at a small scale, but it's the right sure. stuff. It, it therefore means what you are saying, because this is what exactly Gestalt Growth Strategies is all about, leveraging the rules of the game, so to speak, to make sure you get maximum points in the true sense up to level one. This is an investment in the company. One shouldn't look at it in only ownership terms, but in terms of growth opportunities, the ownership itself doesn't necessarily need to be diluted because in time it could grow in terms of equity. The question really is changing the perception of BEE, and I think that is for the most part the stumbling block then, isn't it? Absolutely. I I have regular conversations with people that are against the concept of it until they understand. Um, and, and, And then they say, well, it's not going to break. And, and then I agree. I agree with the principles of what transformation is about. I just don't agree with the fact that it's a forced on me. Well, that's a lot of things in human society forced on you to behave within a normal framework, speed limits and taxes and things that you have to do so that the society can prosper. 
So the point is we are not throwing money away. We are doing the right things at a small scale, getting the benefit of a level one or a level two, and putting your business in a position where you can compete for more opportunities out there. And I think with COVID now, that is becoming critical because companies are suffering. And, and they're saying, what can I do to ensure my survival? And I'm asking the question, well, what if BE is not a restriction but an opportunity? Fantastic. You're going to answer that question in relation to opportunities that BE has proposed, especially for those who are hard-headed about it. Once a Gestalt Growth Strategy CEO, Dion Oberholzer, sat them down and they were able to play in this new game, as it were, they started seeing the fruits not only get bigger, but most certainly sweeter and lower, so to speak. After the break, we continue the conversation then with Mr. Dion Oberholzer, talking to us about broad place back economic empowerment. <laughs> broad-based black economic empowerment and the role of emerging micro-enterprises have in it after this. Small businesses, emerging micro-enterprises, if you are listening, please do give us a call on 0891-104-207. Your experience with the BEE codes and related regulations and legal instruments to which you have to comply for the purposes of making your business that much more attractive, especially for public funds. We are in conversation, of course, with the CEO of Gestalt Growth Strategies, Mr. Dion Oberholzer. Dion, you spoke about some of the wins that you have had in your engaging private sector. Do you want to just give us some examples and exactly where not necessarily the weak points are, but where the opportunities are, because sometimes people need to see the A to Z of the value chain of moving from a position of being stubborn, I suppose, to Z, where the opportunity and growth lies if one simply engages the BEE for what it is designed to do, much less the implementation and the problems still, I suppose, that are still rife and rampant. Yeah, I I think there's a one would be surprised if you have to say it, and it sort of shames on ourselves, but sometimes there's a significant ignorance and lack of understanding of of the opportunities because people don't want to hear. I mean, it, it, it's often a situation that people don't understand because they avoid the question. And then when you have an engaged person on the other side of the table, you sit down and you say, okay, well, do you really not ever want to help a young black child at, at university or college? No, 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 I, I'm happy to help. Um, do you never want to help a black company? No, no, I'm happy to help. Well, see, that's what the code is all about. It's about doing the stuff that changes our society. And what, what's great about the codes is that it, it scales, as I was just saying earlier, to your business. So you don't have to do everything. You just have to do enough based on who you are. And, and when people start adding those numbers up and they say, oh, well, I'm happy to do that, so that doesn't, and, and instead of spending money on, on, on wasteful expenditure, let me bring somebody in that just recently studied at university, let them come and work for me in an internship program. That counts for points as well. Let me build a few genera- generation of leaders within my organization. And, and you never have to do everything. You just have to do that, which is enough for you to get the points in the scorecard. It's actually, it's, it's not that difficult. That's the, the thing that, that people come back afterwards and they say, oh, well, it wasn't that difficult. Um, uh, now we're at level one. We need to maintain it. There's a number of different choices, and most of the things that we're doing are strategically important to our business. So we have the right partners, we have the right leadership, we have the right staff, we're investing in the right things, and, and, and we're moving, looking forward because Entrepreneurs are an interesting breed of people. Once they engage in seeking the opportunity, the energy flows. But when they get to the point where I can't do this, this is hesitant, then the energy stops. And what we need now in our country is for the energy to flow. Everybody needs to 
come up with an idea of how they can survive, what they can do, how they can employ people, and move forward. And, and, and the interesting thing about South Africa, 90% of the, pop, the working population in South Africa is black. So where do you get your staff from if you have these hindrances in your mind about who you employ? Let me ask this question, um, and it might be a controversial one for somebody who is still not convinced for whatever reason in terms of giving up their stake for the purposes of ownership and moving up the ladder, as it were. You mentioned that 90% of South Africa's working population is black, essentially the people who really help you with your BE scorecards. Tell us about the value from moving from just being an employee. In other words, forget about being the owner of the business, but put the cap of put the cap on that of an employee who's not just an employee and has obligations only between nine and five on any given day, Monday to Friday, but now has a stake in the business, how it changes that person for the better for the business. The the point about understanding the wider concept of ownership is actually quite important. And ownership itself is not is not some magic. You don't have shares and then suddenly become an entrepreneur. Um, but what it does do is it exposes you exposes you to those processes. It makes you understand how it works. It allows you to train up so that you can have your own company maybe one day or participate more meaningfully in the business that you're involved in. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's a situation of saying that shares is not everything. Um, and often what we find is um, your, your, your entry-level blue-collar workers are often more worried about the next paycheck and less worried about um, some wealth when they retire at some point in time. So if you sit with a, sh- with a, with a, with a worker and you mm-hmm. say, you may have shares in the business, um, you have to pay for it, it's going to take some time, but you will be able to retire in 30 years um, with more wealth than what you have at the moment. It doesn't necessarily come through as having meaning. And this is not a race issue. This is just somebody, I'm living from hand to mouth, I have to feed my family, I need money now. Um, and they mm. would be more prone to say, I would like to have a short-term income. But that's wrong because we want our people to think about the longer term. We want people to invest into the longer term future. So it's a question of find, this is, what we often find is that small companies is this thing about your, your, in small companies often the, the black staff are, are laborers, but not graduates. So bring in a few graduates, people that are already thinking at that level. Make your next generation of shareholders come from people that actually have the vision that participate at that level. And this is not about trying to segregate, but it's just, see, I mean, we have a working student program that we've created to take people from university and put them in the workplace so that they can see how it works while they study. I mean, I didn't have that opportunity when I was studying engineering back in the day. I had to get my practical experience after I finished. So by getting your, your qualified people into small companies, they can see how it operates because it's more intimate. And that opens your eyes to start your own business and not fail every time. And I think those things are important if we, if, if, because people don't have my training. But there's a, there's a thing about shareholding that it almost creates a fear of losing as opposed to an opportunity of growing. And that's the switch that we often don't um, get right every time. Let me ask this question because you've actually hopped on it quite well, and I want to take you up on that. Internships, young people, you mentioned even graduates, and a lot of them who are unemployed right now who would happily take internships at the very least for what little it gives them also for the experience. 
and how that, together with the established CETAs, which is money available for businesses, for taking up essentially a role that government hasn't the capacity to take up young people mm. in internships through the CETA programs. Yeah. Um, fortunately, those kind of programs are well-developed and they're very common and very popular. And it's more a scenario of, of exposing, I would almost call it isolated exempt micro-enterprises or smaller companies that live in a, in a little um, a smaller environment. They don't, they don't necessarily get exposed to that because they don't have an HR manager and a financial manager. They have a small team of people. But when you introduce graduates and qualified people that need experience into the workplace, they don't come there to say, fine, I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life and do this one job you give me. I'm seeing this as an opportunity to learn from you and then take a stepping stone further. That is not a threat to the business because you can get somebody that will be able to work, study, and contribute, and have a long to view, come with ambition, learn from you, and grow the environment within which you trade as an operator in any case. So the, the programs of getting our graduates into the workplace is critically important because you, you know the old adage is you can't find a job without experience, you can't get experience without a job. Mm, um, mm, mm. And that's where the internships and the, the programs that try to bridge that gap becomes quite important. And government did a fantastic thing with the YES program, the Youth Employment Service that they created. Mm -hmm. But even that is not having the impact that that we would hope. I mean, last time I looked, there were somewhere between 30 and 40,000 people on that program. Um, how many unemployed people do we have now that are youth? Millions. So how yeah. are we going to employ 2 million young people if it takes us two years to get to 40,000? We, we need to really rally those numbers up. And if every exempt microenterprise, I did the mathematics, there's about 250,000 250, exempt microenterprise. If every mm -hmm. one of them employs one person and get, for example, the recognition of yes, um, that they can add to the level and they can do for three levels. That's three people. That's 750,000 people employed with small companies. That's All at once, yeah, government. absolutely. Yeah. So there are opportunities. There are fantastic things. People just need to know about it and investigate it and then pick the best one. I'll tell you what, Dion, because I'm going through your website right now in terms of what you do, and I think this is an important conversation that that needs to take place because now we are demystifying certain things which unchallenged, unchecked, our thoughts run with us. For instance, when you talk about BEE, the invariable conversation you can always have is fronting. Unfortunately, we don't have time. Can we confirm to have you soon to continue the conversation because it cannot at all be done in 20 minutes, a conversation as heavy as is this? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Agreed. He said it on air. The CEO of Gestalt Strategy Solutions in Mr. Dion Oberholzer. He will return to us very soon. And I'm sure the producers are available to that. Gestalt Growth Strategies. I beg your pardon. That then, ladies and gentlemen, was the show. Thank you so much for your patience and audience. We return tomorrow with more of the same.